0: And so begins chapter 2 of Perek Shiro, which deals with day, night, and the heavenly hosts. The first of those is the day. Yoim oimer. The day says, Yoim li yoim yabia oimer. Day after day utters speech. And night after night proclaims knowledge. You might ask, why does it mention the night in this particular context if we're talking about the day? Hopefully, it will become a little bit clearer as this goes on. Rashi comments on this straight away and says that uh, it's telling us that every single day creation is renewed. It's kept constant every single day. We've spoken about consistency before. This, the day really is the epitome of consistency. It just one day follows the next. There's never any difference in that respect. The uh, grammarians point out that the word yabia, to proclaim, actually comes from the word novea, which means to, um, to flow, We've actually been talking about a mayon just at the end of the last chapter, which flows, but it's from an underground spring, something which is unbroken, flowing, I guess, into chapter two. But the, the yoim, the day, echoes that idea as well, just from a slightly different angle. The reduck kind of affirms this idea. He says there is a certainty in the fact that every day can predict the fact that another day will follow. It's never going to change. That certainty is spoken out by the day itself, and has certainly many, many lessons for us. Now, you may have noticed the title, Footprints in the Butter. You're probably aware of those crazy jokes, absurd jokes, How do you know an elephant is in the fridge? Because there are footprints in the butter. Now, I know you're not meant to examine a joke and uh, break it down and kill it, but let's just do that for a moment and talk about the absurdity of the situation. Why is that joke so absurd? Yes, some people can't stand that kind of humour, but what what is the psychology behind that joke? I think it's pretty obvious when you think about it a little bit that if the elephant is in the fridge, then you don't need the circumstantial evidence of, oh look footprints, I think you'd notice if it was there. You don't need the circumstantial evidence if it's there. When something is in your face, when something is so obvious, as we've mentioned a number of times before, nothing else needs to be said. Rabbeinu Bachya, in Shemois, always oh, well, talking about <coughs> a medrash in Shemais Rabo, he comments on this idea of the certainty of one day following another day. The fact that the medrash says that the day borrows from the night and the night borrows from the day. How so? Because in the summer, when the days are long, the day, so to speak, borrows hours from the night. And in the winter, the opposite happens. The night borrows from the day. In halachic terms, we're not, isn't uh, strictly speaking a halachah. We know that the day is strictly split into what's called shi'asamania's halachic hours, which in the in the winter means that every hour is not actually sixty minutes. It can be maybe practically half of that in certain parts of the world and in the summer the goes the other way around you know an come if you're splitting the daylight time into into 12 parts it can be an hour and a half or more in certain parts of the world yet and this is what you find both parts being echoed by the by the the yom, by the day itself. Because as the Medrash goes on to say, they may borrow from each other, but there's never any need for litigation. This is a total show of faithfulness in the other. Nobody needs to take anyone else to court. There will be a payback and it's certain, it's consistent. We talk about the concept in, in English phrase, something which is as clear as day. When something is as clear as day, there's no false testimony. The day is the day. If you look at the very next poshuk, actually after and we actually mentioned as many, many podcasts ago, it says there is no utterance. There are no words whose sound goes unheard. And one of the explanations that the commentators say is sometimes nothing else needs to be said. And this is where footprints come back into it. Because I mentioned footprints in the butter. But the reason I remembered the elephant joke was because of something that happened to me many, many years ago. I'd like to think not that many, but still, it was. Back in the days of school, there was a football game going on. Proper tournament game. And the football came over. It was a bit of a muddy... um, pitch situation and I went up for the ball at the same time as somebody else and I got kicked in the chest and I went down on the floor and the guy who kicked me in the chest starts remonstrating to the referee oh ref he's faking it you can see he's just fallen over he's like he's he's, he's and like okay I'm sure that there were times when I wasn't uh um Mr. Totally excuse the pun in the, in the, in the uh, circumstances, as honest as the day is long. In this particular situation, I had been kicked in the chest. But the guy's remonstrating with the ref, backwards and forwards. Oh, he's talking about, and, and stunning the players, and I'm just lying there on the floor, having been kicked in the chest. Backwards and forwards, was he, was he kicked, was he not kicked? And, and uh, should it be a foul, should it not be a foul? And then I stood up. And yes, you've guessed it. The other guy's footprint was on my white football shirt. He looked at me, I looked at him, we both looked at the ref, who looked back at us. Nothing else needed to be said, because sometimes the evidence is so in your face. There's nothing that needs to be said. Footprints in the butter? Footprints on the football shirt, yeah. It's just so obvious. And yes, for those who are clued in, we have spoken about cognitive dissonance a number of times in the past. The idea that something can be so, so obvious to you that you don't need to actually say, you don't really, really need to argue, or people will try to argue, but it's very difficult to. Now, there's another idea which really connects with this. We have spoken about the fact that it says in the possup, the Zocharitias Brisi Yaakov, I shall remember my covenant with Yaakov for Afesbrisi Yitzhok, and also my covenant with Yitzhok, for Afesbrisi Avram Eskhar, and I shall also remember my covenant with Avram. Notice it only talks about remembering the covenant with Yaakov and Avram, but not Yitzhok. Why not? So those of you who cast your minds back, many moons will remember that during the Omer we spoke about the fact that Yitzhok is described by the Zohar as, so to speak, his ashes are still up on the Mizbeach. uh, They're in front of me. You don't need to remember something that is there in front of you. If it's in front of you, it's not memory. It's there. It's not footprints. It's the thing itself. It's the elephant that's there. Understand, therefore, the day is really describing consistent, certain, faithfulness, payback. It's going to happen. There's no false testimony. And there's a massive lesson for us to learn from here. When we start realising that actually there is someone who is behind all of this, and this proclaims knowledge, every single day, we remember the footprints in the sand. We remember that famous idea about the man who has that dream, and in the dream there's two sets of footprints, one is his and one is God's, and then he notices it's his life, and at the most difficult parts of his life there's only one set of footprints. And he blames God for leaving him, until he realises, no, it was at that point in time that God was carrying him.